Hallelujah. God, you deserve it all. We give because you're worthy. We give because you have already given. We continue to give because you continue to give so freely, Lord. Because you are our source. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And as we give you our praise, we pray that you would pour yourself out upon us right now. In Jesus' name. God, that you'd fill us. Those that feel empty would be overflowing again, Lord. Those that feel dry would feel the life-giving river of your presence flowing through them today, God. Those who are weary will receive rest and find strength again in you, God. That's the God we serve. Father, may there be a time of refreshing today. Maybe there be an outpouring of your spirit today. May we respond to the word of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Thank you so much, worship team. Ministering to us today and ministering to the Lord, more importantly, Wow, you know, it's times like these uh, that, first of all, I experienced a time of refreshing during our worship this morning. I think that's a principle that you're going to find that the Holy Spirit wants to drive home today, is that oftentimes when we feel like we've got nothing left, it's giving that unlocks what God has for us. And when we offer our praise, regardless of where we feel we are emotionally, man, God responds to that. He doesn't respond to anything fake. He doesn't respond to something that we try to work up. But what he responds to is faith and obedience. And when out of obedience and out of faith, we offer him our praise, even when life has beat us down, Man, he rewards us. He fills us up. He's our everything. And I'm just, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling sustained by him today. I'm feeling strengthened by him today. I'm feeling uh, full of joy uh, by the presence of the Lord today. And I believe that he has that for you as well. And so today we are um, entering part two of a series entitled Life Squared. And it's called Life Squared uh, because if you've seen the logo, oh, oh, by the way, don't let me forget, uh, get out your Go Deep guides um, and follow along. Um, even though our groups, our life groups are going to be having their, their celebration dinner this week, we still want to begin to provide these Go Deep guides for you, even on our breaks in between our life groups meeting, because we believe it's a tool that you can continue to make a part of your weekly discipline and even daily devos uh, in your time with God. And so take those out. And if you don't have one of those and you want one, could you just throw your hand up real quick? Because our ushers have some extra. 
So if you say, hey, can I get one of those Go Deep guides? Awesome, there's one over here that needs one. Yep, thank you so much, ushers, for passing those out. This is going to ensure that you get the most out of God's word today. How many of you think that's important? <laughs> and so Life Squared, you can see the, the logo on the front there as we took two elements, um, lithium, which is L-I, and iron, which is F-E. And uh, who was it that told me about batteries? Who was that? Oh, yeah, it was Melida. Melida said those are two elements that are used to make batteries. And so there's power that comes from that, right? That's pretty cool. I didn't even plan that part. That's awesome. And so the, the number two as an exponent there, uh, which means life squared, is to remind us that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life to the full or life abundantly, which means extra, excess, right? But why does he do that? so that we can be a part of his multiplication blessing. So last week, we talked about the difference between an uh, addition mentality and a multiplication mentality. Now, addition mentality is adding unto what I already have. An addition mentality is sort of me-focused. An addition mentality worries that I won't make enough. But a multiplication mentality worries that I won't make enough of a difference. See the difference? See, an addition mentality has a vision for me, but a multiplication mentality has a vision for the entire world, has a vision for the kingdom of God. And I believe God wants to take our church and change our mentality from an addition mentality, what am I going to receive from God on a Sunday morning to what am I bringing to the tables on a Sunday morning? Because if you're here today, not only does God have something for you, but he's given you something to deposit in the life of someone else. If you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. So God doesn't just bless so the recipient can enjoy the blessing, right? But he blesses because he wants to multiply the blessing in you and through you. And if you've ever experienced that before, you know that's way better. I'd much rather be a part of someone else's blessing and be blessed in the process than simply be blessed. And then what happens usually is we become uh, ungrateful for what we have been given. Have you ever struggled with these thoughts when you've been asked to give or asked to serve, where deep down you're thinking to yourself, I got needs of my own right now. Come on, somebody be real with me and say, you've responded that way. Um, like, I want to give, but I'm having a hard time paying the electricity bill this month. Um, I, li I like offering encouraging words to others, but I feel like no one ever encourages me. No one ever builds me up, and so I got nothing to give. I, I feel like I've got nothing to offer, or I want to help out, but I can barely have the time to get my own stuff done. I got so many things around the house that are just waiting for me to take care of them. I don't have the time to spare to serve my neighbor, to serve my coworker, to serve my family, or to serve my church. But there's something powerful about serving uh, that you can only learn through serving, through the act of it. 
So it's been way too long, but um, yesterday I finally was able to join uh, Steve and the team at Cortez Park, and some of you guys were there too, and it was another feeding of the homeless, but it's so much more than that. If you guys have ever been with Steve to Cortez Park, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a soup kitchen, right? And those are great, right? But we're not just trying to make sure that these people got full bellies in the morning, but we're bringing life. We're bringing hope, we're bringing relationship, and more importantly, we're bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Not just offering a meal, but we're pulling people off the streets, right, Steve? We got resources that people say, hey, I don't wanna be here anymore. Well, guess what? You don't have to be here anymore. We'll get you off the streets, and God is just doing a mighty work out there. I had a chance to meet this guy named John. Super cool guy. He was very, very friendly as soon as I started talking to him. More than happy to share with me his story. John told me that he has been homeless for over 30 years. And he had come to the point in his life where he's just like, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. This is just how I live. And I found out that the root of that decision led to broken relationships, or it stems from broken relationships that he found that uh, rather than having failed relationship after failed relationship, it's safer for him to just be isolated. He's like, I like the outdoors anyway. And we begin to talk and he began to share uh, his thoughts and his beliefs. And you know what he said to me when I mentioned Jesus? He said, yeah, Jesus was a really good man. And I said, John, he was so much more than a good man. (laughs) Let me tell you, a little about, about Jesus, but, but all he could see and all he could come to grips to admitting was that Jesus was a really good teacher, a good man that did kind things and was speaking out against the injustices of society uh, in the days of the Roman occupation uh, of Israel. And as a result, they killed him because he opposed them. I mean, so much historical context that this man is missing, right? But instead of turning it into an argument, uh, I shared a few reasons for my faith, and I I shared my story, and and I began to tell him about the power of the risen Savior that I've experienced in my life in a personal way, that I've seen and known people that have been saved, healed, and delivered from drugs, that I've witnessed people possessed by evil spirits set free at the name of Jesus. Those demons fled. And I began to share with him about the power of God. And I said, you know what? I can sit here and argue with you, but how about I just pray with you instead? So I had a chance to pray for this man that he would just encounter God. And when we ended that prayer, I said, brother, I'm telling you right now, you're going to encounter God. He's going to reveal himself to you in an undeniable way. And I thought that encounter was over, um, but he circled back around again. It was interesting. I was just, I was talking to Steve and DJ and maybe another guy, and I was just talking about John. I was like, I had this great conversation with John, and here he comes walking back towards us, and he's got this big smile on his face. And so he comes walking back towards, and then, um, of course, Steve is like, well, Joe, you prayed with him, but I didn't get to pray with him yet. And so Steve invites him to pray again. And so the, the few of us that were there, we circled up and we joined hands and we prayed. And when we said amen, he simply said, wow. And so I said, okay, man, tell me what you felt when we prayed for you. And you know what he said? He said, I felt energy pass through me. And we were able to say that 
is the reality of the presence of God in your life. That's just the tip of the iceberg. And we didn't lead him in a prayer of salvation in that moment, but God is already answering that prayer. God is already revealing himself to this man. And why do I share this story with you? Because I'll tell you this, I woke up early on a Saturday morning not feeling like showing up. I was tired, I was cranky. All the way driving there, I'm praying. I'm like, God, I'm not gonna be very effective if I still feel like this when I get there, right? I feel, I feel cranky, my body aches, I'm still fighting this cold. And not only that, but I got there, it's seven o'clock because I got a little reminder on my phone that it starts at seven o'clock. And I was the only one there. And I waited a half an hour before anybody else showed up because everyone else understood it doesn't start at seven except for me, apparently. So I'm sitting there in my car with my son and I'm just like, oh man, should we just leave? Should we go? Something just kept saying, just stay a little longer, stay a little longer. And sure enough, uh, I think it was Mary and William showed up first, then Manny, then Ray. And everybody started, I said, okay, this is happening. And I'll tell you this that it wasn't until I met John and that I began to speak about my Savior and share about my passion for him that I felt the Holy Spirit come over me in such a powerful way that all those feelings were gone. And there was a sense of energy and strength and excitement and passion that was being stirred up inside of me. But you know what's interesting about that? It didn't happen when I prayed. It happened when I began to share the gospel. I'm telling you this morning, church, that when you will step out and serve, you will unlock something that God has just been waiting to give you. Something that he's just desires to lavish upon you. His presence, his strength, his Holy Spirit. He's waiting for you to step out and to serve so that he can fill you up. But what good is it to fill up someone who's not going to pour themselves out? And I want to tell some of you this morning that are feeling far away from God, you're feeling kind of dry inside, you're feeling stagnant, you can't remember the last time you encountered God in a powerful way. I'm telling you right now that for you this morning, the key may be to take these words and to step out in obedience and act upon them. I dare you to serve somebody. I dare you to step out in faith. I dare you to pour yourself out into someone else that doesn't know the Lord and tell me that he didn't move in your life, that he didn't fill you up, that he didn't give you need, that he didn't refresh you with everything that you desired. See, when we intentionally meet someone else's need, we often find that that's what starts the flow of God's life in us again. You ever felt like you just stopped up with a cork? Sometimes uncorking what God wants to do and flow in you is simply stepping out and serving. And so before we dig into the word of God today, let's take some time at our tables to share stories and testimonies. How have you seen God bless you by using you to bless someone else? And what did you gain from what you gave? Let's take six minutes to talk about that and then we'll come back and get into God's word.
Alright, wow. Great stories, great testimonies, great examples. How many of you noticed that while you were sharing, you were a little energized? Anybody? Like while you were just sharing stories, were you a little bit energized? Nobody? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not trying to make you guys be liars. I just feel like you're just not being honest, right? There, there's something about recounting the goodness of God that begins to energize and strengthen us. But, but there's an output that takes place even in what you did just now at your tables. There's, there's a giving that took place just for you to share a story. And as we pour out, God is so faithful to pour back in. You know, even the world recognizes this biblical principle. Zig Ziglar once said, you can get anything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. It's kind of like the world even has this loose understanding of the law of sowing and reaping, right? That if you sow good things, you'll eventually get back good things. We learn this based on our own human experience, but the blessing of God goes far beyond that. It's so much more than you just getting what you want, but it's also the joy of getting someone else what they need. Satisfaction in knowing that you're making a difference. It's the peace and the joy that comes from positioning yourself where you must trust in him every step of the way. You know, that doesn't happen if you're clinging to your own comfort. That doesn't happen when you have an addition mentality. But when you have a multiplication mentality, then you put yourself into a position where you're like, Jesus, I can't do any of this without your strength. I can't do any of this or provide any of this without you first providing for me. And as we do that, we enjoy the sweetness of God's intimacy. As the old song says, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. You can't pen a song like that without experiencing uh, the sweetness of God's presence that comes when you have to lean on him for everything that you need. You cannot know this sweetness, this intimacy, this power, living a self-serving lifestyle. It comes with an other's focus. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9, he says, the end of the world is coming soon. How many of you looking around and you believe that's true right now? <laughs> the end of the world is coming soon. And so what does he say? Uh, Since the end of the world is coming soon, make sure you guys all get lots of guns and ammo and uh, lots of canned and non-perishable foods and prepare for the apocalypse. No, what he says is, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, somebody say what pastor's about to say is really important. <laughs> he says, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those in need, for, with those who need a meal or a place to stay. 
So each day that passes is a day closer to the end of the world, to the return of Christ. And with that knowledge, we're to be motivated from within, impelled to serve others, to cheerfully share what we have. In Galatians 5.13, Paul says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In Galatians 6.10, he says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Sometimes we don't see needs as opportunities. But Paul tells us here that every need presented to you is an opportunity to do good. Jesus himself washed his disciples' feet. And when he was finished, do you remember what he said? Now that you've seen me do this, you will be blessed when you do it also. God is looking for a reason to bless you today. You ever think about that? That's the heart of God. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And he never runs out. He doesn't ration it. He is overflowing with grace and abundance and blessing. And he's like, who can I give to today? Who can I bless today? And he's looking for the right things to bless. Because God doesn't want his blessings to go wasted. He doesn't want to pour himself out on somebody who's not going to pour themselves out again. I challenge you this morning to give God a reason to bless you. By choosing to live a lifestyle of service, I want to challenge you to serve today. In this message, I want to give you five ways that serving leads to multiplication in your life. That serving leads to exponential living, this life squared life that we're talking about. So we're going to open up God's word. But before we do, let's make our declaration of faith. Would you stand with me just for a moment and pick up your Bibles or your Bible apps, and we are going to declare God's truth over our life, the authority of Scripture over our life. Here we go. We're going to read this together. It's on the screen on one, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God's Word. When I read it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. Amen, amen. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. This has got to be one of the most bizarre and amazing stories in Scripture. 1 Kings chapter 17, God's mercy, God's creativity, God's wisdom that is profound in his provision for his people. This is an inspiring story. 1 Kings 17, let's go ahead and find out what it says. It says, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. I think they may have broke Arizona's record for days without rain. <laughs> then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Somebody say, God can use the birds. 
So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kirith Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Somebody say, God can use birds, but he multiplies by using you. So he went to Zarephath as he arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? That's not too much to ask, right? As she was going to get it, though, he called to her, bring me a little bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Ever felt like you have nothing left to give? So did she. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. Whoa. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Somebody say the nerve. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Wow. So he makes a promise, not the kind of promise you want to hear at first. Verse one, there's not going to be any dew or any rain until I say so. Thanks a lot, Elijah. What does God bless? And what does God not bless? He does not bless selfishness. He doesn't bless self-service. Um, does that sound biblical to you guys? See, King Ahab, who was the king of the time, he worshiped Baal, the god of fertility. And this is why Elijah pronounces this judgment or punishment upon the land. Because King Ahab was worshiping this false god named Baal, this god of fertility, not for who Baal was or for anything other than for what he thought he could get from him. He believed that if he worshiped Baal, Baal would bring blessing. The self-serving worship of idols brought God's curse instead of the blessing. And so a drought would have been the ultimate slap in the face to Baal worshipers. Why? Because they believed Baal controlled the weather. They believed that Baal brought the rain. 
that he brought fertility, that he brought the crops, that he brought the blessing. And so God said, oh, really? Is that what you think? And is that what you want? You just want a God that can give you what you want? Well, guess what? I'm gonna say it's not gonna rain a single drop until my man of God gives the word. And so they thought that Baal controlled the weather. God said, I'm gonna show you what's up. See, we have idols today, and they're not usually in the form of a graven image. But we have all kinds of things that become more important to us than God. We have all kinds of things that we look to for our provision other than God. Sometimes an idol can be a job. And God, I can't give because I don't make enough yet. But if I get a raise, I'll start to give. Or, God, I can't serve at church or outside of the church or my neighbors because I'm always working extra hours. Is it possible that perhaps that job has become an idol, the thing you look to for provision even above God? Sometimes it can be a relationship. This person in my life is occupying all my time so I can't give it to anyone else. Or I'm so concerned to what this person in my life would think of me that I can't step out and live the way that I believe God is calling me to live because I care so much how I look in their eyes. It's popularity, the same thing, right? I, I, the, the approval of man is the most important thing to me. What my friends think of me matters so much that I'm paralyzed with that weight and I can't be obedient to God because I care too much what other people think. Maybe it's food. I, I, all I care about is having a full stomach and so I can't fast and pray uh, for a breakthrough in my life because the most important thing to me is my stomach. Maybe it's entertainment. I'm so distracted. I'm losing my ability to focus on what matters. Um, I don't have any free time because I feel like I have to be entertained all the time. It all comes down to what we believe we can get for ourselves, and that's what makes it an idol. So what is the cure for this selfishness? It's simple. It starts with serving other people. In Psalm 84, 11, it says, the Lord will withhold no good thing. Somebody say, no good thing from those who do what is right. I wonder, though, if sometimes we give God a reason to withhold blessings, that he looks at our life and he's like, I can't bless that. It, it's, it, this isn't about grace anymore, right? Uh, it, this isn't about like uh, uh, earning his blessing, right? That's not about that either. But he's like, well, how would I bless that? If I bless that, I'm gonna enable his selfishness. If I bless that, he's gonna stay me focused instead of others focused. And he's the one that's gonna miss out. Because how many of you know when you have a me mentality, it leads to misery. But when you've got an others mentality, it leads to true joy. And so God, sometimes we give him a reason to withhold blessings from us. And we see further on in the story that Elijah, he's fed sandwiches basically by birds and he drank from a river. I, I can't help it. I think that's a little gross. Like I'm not touching anything that was in a raven's mouth, right? But God provided and he was thankful. And so they're bringing in these sandwiches. I'm guessing he probably had to put them together. Uh, but wouldn't that be neat if it was like a slice of bread, some meat, another slice of bread in the beak of the mouth of this bird? Anyways, that's my ADD kicking in. But God uses these birds to provide for him. Don't look at me like that, David. 
You have those goofy thoughts sometimes. But then what happens? In verse 7, the brook dried up. Why? Because there was no rainfall. So God was using this brook to provide, but there's still no rainfall, and so the provision runs out. Because no matter how dependable the river may seem, whatever that thing is that God is using as your source right now, guess what? It could dry up at any moment. Because when it comes down to it, no matter how great of a job you have, no matter how well it pays, now how, no matter how great the benefits are and the health insurance and the dental insurance that you get through it, it could dry up at any moment because your provision does not come from that job. Your provision comes from the God who brings the rain. And understanding this, Elijah did not go looking for another brook because he knew there was no rain. Instead, he followed the Lord because he understood where his rain came from. Keeping God at the center of your life keeps his blessings flowing in us and through us. When you understand where the rain comes from, you'll never be far from his blessing. Even during seasons of need, you'll know where to look. You won't waste your time looking for a brook. You'll turn your eyes to the heavens and you'll call upon the Lord. And through your faith and obedience, he'll give you everything you need and more because he's a God of multiplication. Amen. Verse eight, he says, go and live in the village of Zarephath. This is crazy. Because here Elijah is in God's land and there's nothing left to provide for him. And this is a Gentile city, which interestingly enough makes Elijah the first prophet to the Gentiles. And God chose to lead Elijah outside of Israel for the blessing. Let me tell you something about that real quick, church. It is quite natural to expect that God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. That he'll ask you to go places you don't want to go and to serve people that you're not comfortable being around. And as you read throughout the Old Testament, you know that Jews and Gentiles did not like to associate with one another. And yet this is exactly where God says, he says, he says, here's my people, my chosen people, right? That I've been called, they've been called by my name, they're set apart, they're holy, and they've got nothing to offer you. Go here, and I'm going to use a widow to provide for you. I remember um, in my, at my first church as a youth pastor, I was so passionate about young teenagers like these guys over here, these cool kids right here, um, understanding how important it is to serve, understanding that it's not the knowledge of the scriptures that saves you, but it's the application of those scriptures, that we unleash the power of God's word when we obey it and believe it and trust in it and live by it. And so we created a group called Doers because James says, don't be hearers of the word only. And so, anybody know what it says? Deceive yourselves. So don't be hearers only. And so deceive yourselves because that's what we do. I'm telling you right now, if you're a churchgoer, a Bible reader, but you don't obey it, you don't live it out, you are actively deceiving yourself. And so we created this group called Doers, and we purposely looked for surf projects, places where we could meet physical needs. And so we became aware of a, a single uh, woman who was in our church suffering, suffering from some health problems, that she was in a bad situation in her apartment, and she needed help moving out. That's all we were told. 
let me tell you that sometimes when you step into obedience to serve, you don't know what you're stepping into until you get there. Sometimes God is ambiguous on purpose because he wants you to say yes so that when you step into it and you realize what you stepped into, it's too late to back out. So we show up at this lady's house and as soon as the door is open, immediately we're met with the smell of urine and feces. She has got 20 cats running wild around her house, fighting with each other, just like going crazy, right? And we're trying to move things, but they're being guarded by these vicious felines. And we're like, they're going to attack us if we try to move this box. There's piles of droppings, cat droppings on the floor. There's a litter box, but apparently they didn't feel like there was any need for that litter box. And not only that, but this lady had roaches, y'all. And when I say she had roaches, her roaches had roaches. I mean, it was just, they were everywhere. It was like the floor was moving. And on top of that, they had just had a storm and her ceiling caved in. Guess what fell out of the ceiling when it caved in? Roaches. And so we're sitting there. She's sitting in the living room watching TV. And um, there's a hole in the ceiling, roaches and cats and fecal matter everywhere. And she sits there watching TV while we move all of her stuff. Let me tell you, <laughs> that was a stretch. That was something I wasn't expecting. There was a mess everywhere, but God led us into that situation. And even in that experience, there was something for us to gain. There was something for us to learn. See, in verse eight, that's where God says, I've instructed a widow t- there to feed you. Number one that I want you, this is in your, in your Go Deep guide, serving, man, it leads to multiplication because it includes everyone. No one is excluded from serving. And so in that scenario, um, every teenager uh, was included in that serving. Even the ones that were like, this is disgusting, I don't want to touch anything. They served. We made them serve, right? I mean, you think that was an important lesson for them to learn. No one is excluded. But even this woman there had something to offer us, which I think that we missed out. And so in this scenario with the widow, even this poor widow is given a responsibility and a privilege, the privilege of serving. Why would God require anything from a widow of all people? Why would he choose a widow? Were there not people that were more well off? How about the people that were continuing to thrive and hoard to themselves? Why didn't God send them there to teach them a lesson? Hey, give my prophet food and drink or I will smite you, right? That's the action I would have took. I would have been like, you know, tax the rich. Just kidding. Okay, so that, yeah, but send it to these people that have all this stuff and they're hoarding it to themselves and teach them a lesson, God. But instead he sends, her, he sends him to this widow. If anything, she needs others to serve her, right? But you know, one thing that's neat is to remember that there's something that we gain out of serving other people. Sometimes when we're suffering and we're in need, the most healing thing that God can do, the greatest lesson he can teach us is that we still have something to offer because it speaks of our value. It speaks of our purpose. And no matter who you are, You've been given the charge to serve. There is not a single person in here, whether you feel like you're able-bodied or not, 
that has been excluded from serving because even those that are not able-bodied, you can pray. God can use you in unique ways. We've got a senior group that meets on Thursdays. We can't do stuff where we're on our feet and we're picking up heavy boxes and stuff like that. But we go to OCJ Kids and we sit at a table and we organize things. We sort things and it saves them hours of their small team doing the same thing. God has a purpose for you. If there's still breath in my lungs, God's not done. Amen? Can we just say that? If there's still breath in my lungs, God's not done. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. So whether you feel abled or not, whether it looks like how other people serve or not, you're called to serve. Maybe you're a single parent working overtime, struggling to make ends meet. If this widow is called to serve, I have to say I believe that you're called to serve as well. And you're called to serve because there's a multiplication blessing in it for you. You have something to gain that can only be gained through serving. So here's the deal. God can use ravens to bring a blessing, but the blessing is multiplied when he uses us. Can God bless this church, your neighbor, your coworker without you? Yes, he can. But what he wants to bring is so much bigger than that. What he wants to bring is multiplication, and that requires every single one of us. So it says in verse 10, he arrives in this Gentile village, and he sees this widow gathering sticks. So he says, would you bring me a little water? Number two, serving causes God's goodness to flow both ways. It's a river that flows two directions, Here's what I love about this. Elijah's question reminds us that it's okay to ask for help. So let's look at the flip side. Because here's the deal. A lot of times when you hear a message about serving, people sometimes they feel manipulated. They feel like this church wants to run me in the ground. This church wants to use me up and spit me out and replace me with someone else when I quit. But it's important to understand the flip side of this, that when you're in need, it's okay to ask. You know what's tragic? Some of the hardest workers in our church, they won't ask for help when they need it. And that's a shame because if they, they get the benefit and the blessing that comes from serving, why would they wanna rob someone else of that same benefit? And if it's okay for the man of God to ask a starving widow and her son to sacrificially give it's okay for you and I to ask our brothers and sisters in Christ for help when we have need, amen? That's gonna free somebody today. That's gonna, that's gonna help you breathe deep and help you question and maybe let go of some pride that you're holding on to. But it couldn't have felt right asking this woman for help, right? I mean, he sees her, and if she's really at the point of death, what does she look like? Dark circles under her eyes, Skinny as a bean pole, nothing, not much left. She couldn't have looked great. And he says, would you, before you feed and eat your last meal, would you make me a little something first? The audacity, right? But if he didn't do it, both of them would have missed out on the multiplication miracle. So why did he ask her first for water? I think he was kind of testing her. He's like setting her up. Maybe it was even to help identify, is this the widow God was talking about, right? 
And immediately, without hesitation, she's like, yeah, sure. I'll get you some water. Uh, no hes hesitation. She must have known that this man of God was going to need something. And perhaps she even felt relieved to be able to offer some hospitality in her state. Like, yeah, you know what? That's one thing I can do. You nailed it. <laughs> I was just sitting here talking about everything I don't have. And you pinpointed the one thing that I have. I can go get you some water. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He says in verse 11, bring me a bite of bread too. See, when you become, we talked about a cork earlier, right? When it feels like it's stopped up and the flow has stopped in your life. When you become uncorked, it's not so a little can be poured out, but it's so that that flow will continue. That's what God was doing. That's what Elijah was doing in her life. When he said, go get me some water, if he left it at that, that'd have been great. She still would have baked that meal and died. But because he asked her for more, he asked her to give something she didn't feel she had, it opened up the outflow. She became uncorked, if you will, in that moment. Offering something that costs little is easy, but when we in faith offer sacrificially out of our need and out of our lack, God is more than willing to bless us. So she says to him, he asked for bread, and she says, I don't have a single piece of bread. This is my last meal. My son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Number three, serving builds faith. <laughs> serving builds faith. There was something that was within her that Elijah called out by asking something of her that God brought forth by giving her an opportunity to serve and to give. This woman was asked to give and serve out of her need. This was not a convenient time for Elijah to come asking for hospitality. She was not in the blessed season of her life. It wasn't like, oh, we're blessed, so we're going to bless someone else. See, if you give God out of your extra, it's a good lesson in selflessness. I, I encourage you, like we talked about last week, God has a purpose for every leftover crumb, right? So start praying about what to do with your extra. But it's a whole nother level when you give and serve out of your need. It's a powerful exercise that revives faith in your life. Excess giving can make you feel like you did something to be proud of, but need giving reminds you that it's God that multiplies the blessing. So how does this woman's initial response compare to our attitude towards serving? You, 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 have you ever kind of responded, at least in your mind, the way that she did when you see your name pop up on planning center for the third week in a row, Right? Or when someone asks you to serve in the nursery again, you're like, oh my gosh, I come to church to get away from my kids. Why are they asking me to do this? Or when you're asked to join Steve out in the park and you're like, that is way too early on a Saturday. I've been working 50 hours this week. I'm so tired. I got nothing left to give. I think we sometimes respond in this way in our hearts when we're asked to serve. And that comes from an addition mentality. Our attitude is always from this place of lack that we don't have anything to give. You know, uh, Miss Doris has been made famous for her response, right? When you say, Miss Doris, how you doing? I'm blessed, highly favored, and walking in my healing, right? How many of you know those people that when you say, hey, man, how's it going? They're like, whoo, tired. That's every time, whoo, tired, busy, life is busy, I need a vacation, right? 
it comes kind of out of this mentality of just like, I don't have enough. I'm not enough. I'm not going to make enough. And that can be our response to serving. But here this woman who was literally facing death was obedient to serve. She responded like many of us do at the beginning, but in the end, she gave, trusting in the promise. And I just wonder this morning, church, what kind of church would Fountain of Life be if we took this attitude in serving always? What kind of church would Fountain of Life be that says, you know, even when I feel like I got nothing left to give, if it's God and I know he's speaking to me, I'm going to give a little bit more? How would God bless us? What kind of multiplication would we see? Growth and fruit would we see in this church? See, a lot of times, uh, you know, there's, a, there's balance to a lot of what we teach, right? It, you, can, you can preach a sermon and it can be very, very biblical and yet someone can take it too far, right? Or they can twist it in their own minds. They can filter it through their past experience. Like maybe they had a pastor in the past that was abusive, so they hear a message like this, and they're like, he just wants to take advantage of me, doesn't care about me, right? Or we hear a message, and, we, and we, we, we take it to the extreme. Like, I can never ask for a day off, because Pastor Joe said that's selfish. But here's the deal. I think for some of us, we're so bent on creating balance in our life at the expense of someone else's imbalance. Let me ask you this, or think about this. When you don't serve, someone else has to do the extra. So what if your balance is leading to someone else's imbalance? Just something to think about. We want you to be balanced, but some of us, we aren't willing to go past the point where we're uncomfortable. We're like, I'm willing to serve as long as it doesn't feel like it's costing me too much. Is this too real? Am I being too harsh with you this morning? Holy Spirit, speak. Don't hear my words. Just listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, this widow, you got to understand, church, she wasn't posting foodies on Instagram. Hashtag blessed. This is what I had for dinner tonight. She wasn't taking pictures of her sweet ride and her beautiful home and her uh, artificial grass she just got installed, or the pool she just dug. She was at a terrible time in her life, and when, when, when Elijah asked her for help, she must have felt like, wow, this guy's got some nerve. I mean, he had ravens in a brook, and while he was drinking out of this brook and eating bird sandwiches, I was here starving to death, scraping for every single crumb, just trying to stay alive, and he's asking me for something. I wonder if we do that sometimes. Like, I've been to the pastor's house. Looks pretty nice. Why is he talking about giving, right? Or I've been to this elder's house. Why are they challenging me to, to, to serve or whatever it may be? Why did he choose this poor widow on the brink of salvation, starvation? Because something was in it for her too. That's what we forget. That when you give and when you serve, it's because God wants to bless you too. So sometimes the blessing doesn't look like a cool car or a house or stacks of cash, but sometimes the blessing of God looks like a starving widow baking her last piece of bread and giving it away. I'd like to invite the team to come up as we wrap this up. I want you to think about this too. This is a mother we're talking about, right? 
How many mothers are out here today? Do you realize that this man of God was asking her to have her son wait on his last meal? If you're any decent American mother, that bothers you to your core. You're deeply offended that that's your baby. You've been charged and given the responsibility of providing for that child. And this man of God says, you know, he can wait. Give me what I need first. Whoo, man, if Elijah was alive today, canceled, exposed on the, you know, 2020 or something like that, 60 minutes. But Elijah understood that God wanted to bless this woman through her need. But as American parents, man, we, we, we wouldn't even imagine denying our child something like that. I mean, we won't even ask them to come to church when they don't feel like it. We won't even take away their cell phone from them, right? What lesson are we teaching our children by the way we serve? What lesson are you teaching your children by the way you give? Now imagine for a moment the impact of this powerful lesson on this widow's son. Who knows what he was thinking? Wait, mom, are, are you really gonna give away our last piece of bread to this stranger? Do you know how hungry I am? Look, you can see my ribs. Like, what are you thinking? But because she gave, we need to understand, sometimes we forget the characters and the stories in, in God's word. We need, we need to not forget about this child. Because how many of you know children are always watching and listening? And this child watched his mother give sacrificially out of both of their need, trusting God for a miracle. And what happened? A multiplication blessing was birthed out of her obedience. Parents, that's a legacy. That's the kind of legacy you want to leave with your children. The type of legacy you want to leave with your children is not an inheritance when you die. The type of legacy you want to leave with your children is not, I gave them every opportunity to succeed in sports. The type of legacy you want to leave to your children is not, I involved them in every extracurricular activity under the sun, but we stood home, we stayed home from church so that we could recuperate from all the things we involved them in. That's not the legacy you want to leave. The legacy you want to leave with your children is that if you will surrender your life to God, if you will live in obedience to Him, if you'll lay your life down for Him, He's got more for you. He's got extra for you, and He wants you to be a part of someone else's extra, someone else's blessing. So finally, He says, don't be afraid. Let me ask you this morning, what fear is holding you back and keeping you from meeting the needs of others? What's holding you back from serving? What's holding you back from giving? Because number four is this, serving helps us overcome fear. How many of you know that the only way to overcome fear is to act in spite of it, right? When you first learned how to ride a bike, you were afraid of falling. How many of you waited to learn until you were no longer afraid? Okay, how many of you learned while afraid. You don't serve, if we don't serve because we're afraid that we're not enough or we won't have enough, 
then we miss out on the multiplication. But Elijah said to her, don't worry about yourself because there's a God who has your best interest in mind. And here's something that I think she probably thought about. She thought about the presence of the prophet. She knew he was a man of God. And because this man is standing before me today, that's a sign that God is going to provide. God sent Elijah to this widow for a reason, and she must have recognized that. See, when you understand that it's God that actually presents needs to you, then you don't see them as problems. You see them as opportunities for great blessing. You see the need in a completely different way. And let me tell you this, let me go as far as to say this, is that if, the, if there's a presence of a need, then there's a presence of a blessing. If there's a need present, then God's blessing is on its way. And so he says, make a little bread for me first. That's significant too. Because why didn't he say, all right, go ahead and make your son a meal. But with whatever's left over, can you give me what's left over? Say that again. First fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Do you see how the heart of God is revealed throughout Scripture? We've looked at Deuteronomy. We've looked at Proverbs. We've looked at Psalms. We've looked at Kings. And throughout God's Word, He's saying, I am not a God of enough. I'm a God of more than enough. And if you will step out in faith, I'll give you everything you need and more. This is the timeless principle of first fruits. Sometimes we do that. We say, God, if I still have enough at the end of the month, I'm going to tithe this month. And lo and behold, there's nothing left at the end of the month. But let, let me tell you, from somebody who's tithed ever since he was a teenager, I've tithed first and I've always had more than enough my entire life. God has always provided for me. But he says, use what's left for yourself and your son. And if he had been listening to her, he would have thought to himself, well, there's not going to be anything left because I'm really hungry. So I'm probably going to eat all that she has left. No. The promise was that not only would there be something left, but what did he say in verse 14? There were always. Come on, somebody. Touch somebody and say, always. There will always be flour and olive oil until the Lord sends rain. God's going to provide for you in your time of need. And sometimes it's going to be just enough to get to the next point where the rain begins to fall. You might be in a season in your life right now where you just keep going to the cupboard and there's just enough. You keep going to the cupboard, there's just enough for one more meal. But there's coming a day that if you'll remain faithful, she, it says Elijah and the widow and the son continued to eat. She continued to feed Elijah. She continued to be faithful. She continued to provide for this man of God. And as a result, there was always enough until the rain fell. There's a season coming for you that if you remain faithful with God's daily provisions, that the rain is going to come.
and he's begun again to pour out his blessing upon your life. Finally, number five is serving keeps you clinging to the promise instead of clinging to your own strength. Instead of striving, you'll be clinging. You'll be holding on to. The woman gave according to the promise, not according to what she had. If you give based on what you do not have, you'll miss out on the promise that you do have. Church, what if Fountain of Life became a church that gives based on what God has promised? What if we stopped looking at where we're at now and we started believing in what God has promised us? I often come back to this, and I'll close with this, but our church, do you know what, we're, what our name is, what we're called? What are we called? Fountain of Life. But my fear is that some of us are falling into the temptation as behaving like a puddle instead of a fountain. See, puddles just sit there and they're stagnant until they dry up and they're gone. But fountains bubble up into streams that travel from place to place that need water. And as a result, life begins to spring up everywhere it goes and flows. A puddle church will be full of stagnant people sitting in stagnant water waiting for their ticket to heaven and eventually they'll dry up. But a fountain church is full of people filling their buckets and taking the water to where it is needed. And as long as we continue to pour out, God's fountain is faithful to pour back into us because he's a God of overflow. He's a God of extra. He's a God of multiplication. And as we learn in verse 16, there was always enough just as the Lord had promised. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You're in the room today. Maybe you've lived your whole life feeling like you're not enough. You don't have enough. You won't be willing, you won't be able to make enough. And maybe you do not yet know this God that we're talking about. This God of the extra, the God of the multiplication blessing. Here's the, th here's the truth. You're not enough. And that's why Jesus came. And all of us, we bear the weight of our own guilt of everything we've ever done wrong. But God sent his son Jesus because we weren't enough. And he paid the price for the forgiveness of our sins so that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. And you're in the room today and you say, I want to start a relationship with this God of the extra. You're watching online today. I want to stay, start a relationship with this God of the extra. The only God that can give me forgiveness of my sins and salvation for my soul. And the God that wants to bless me and use me to a blessing. If that's you and you're in the room today, go ahead and just lift up your hand real quick so that we can pray for you to begin a relationship with him today. Anybody in the room? Amen, amen. Praise God. I see those hands. So here's what we're going to do. And those of you watching online, you can pray this prayer with us too. But will everyone in the room repeat this prayer after me for those that raise their hands to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Everybody say, Father God, I come before you today repenting and turning away from my sin, turning away from everything I've done wrong. And I'm asking you, 
to forgive me and to make me clean. I'm not enough to undo the bad things I've done. But the blood you shed on the cross for my sins is more than enough. So come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God some praise for those that stepped into a relationship with Jesus this morning? And listen, if that's you, there are a couple hands over here. If that's you, you rose your hand to receive Christ for the first time today, please visit the hub before you leave today. We've got a Bible for you and some information for you about next steps. But would the rest of you stand with us as we prepare to close? I just want to challenge you with this as we leave and the team's going to sing us out today. Step out and serve somebody today. Maybe you start outside the church. Maybe you start with a neighbor. Maybe you start with a coworker. Who is God asking you to serve today? Let me give you this idea. Invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus to your house for dinner. How powerful a simple act of showing hospitality and making somebody a meal can be in their life. Find someone to serve. And lastly, I want to challenge you with this. If you're not yet on a fountain team and you're not serving within the church, Get on our app. You can even scan the QR code at your table. Sign up for a team. Because if you're not serving here at the fountain, you're missing out on part of your purpose that God wants to connect you to here. So Father, right now I just pray over every single one in this room today, everyone watching online, everyone who will watch someday, God, that they would step into sacrificial service and giving so that they can experience the multiplication blessing that you have for them. Let this church come alive. Let us change our attitude about serving. Let us have a mentality that's not, what do I have to gain, but what can I offer? What can I bring to the table? And may this church overflow in abundant life. We thank you, God. Let us become the church you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The team's going to lead us in a song, and then Nadia's going to come up and take us into a time of giving and offering. Let's sing.
just so excited for what God did in this house today. And I just wanna give you guys a couple of reminders of some events we have going on. First, we have Fountain Connect right outside those doors in the community spot. If you have not attended a Fountain Connect before, go ahead and attend so you can just learn a little bit about what we do here at Fountain of Life. Next is we have baptisms next Sunday. November 19th is our Baptism Sunday, and if you've never been baptized or you're filling that pool or called to be baptized from the Lord, I encourage you guys, sign up in the app. And while you're in the app, you guys can check out any, any events that we have coming up. I know we have so many in this last season, but this QR code, the QR code on your table will take you straight to the app. Now, we're, as we talked about um, being serving today and we talked about giving uh, I just want everyone to stay standing and I'm going to say a prayer over our offering today before we head out dear God thank you so much for the hearts that are being changed in this room thank you for um, just the offering that we get every weekend that helps us do what you've called us to do as a church and Lord I pray that you would bless those who give today in Jesus name amen have a great week, church. Oh yes, there's three ways to give. Um, there's a QR code, the app, and then we have buckets in the back and you can also mail in if you would like. But have a great week, church.